have regular church Sunday morning, and then, of course, that night we'll have the play will start. So I invite you and hope you spread the word, share it on Facebook and anything. I'll tell you, pray for us. We want your prayers. Um, got an outstanding cast of adults, teenagers, and children that have been working very hard. And I'm just praying that God's going to use them to send a message to our community. Praise the Lord. But, uh, I want to remind you, if you have tithes and offerings, you can drop them in at the offering box in the back on your way out. And tonight we're going to have a time of prayer and uh, devotion and spend it talking to the Lord as we do on each and every Wednesday night. And so let us start this night with prayer. Father, we come to you in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the privilege to be in your house tonight, Father. Father, thank you for sending your word. Thank you, Father, putting your word into a text, God, where we can read it each and every day, God. Let your word guide us and inspire us and correct us, Father Lord. Father, we trust you in all things, God, and we're asking God to speak to us. I pray tonight that you'll anoint your speaker tonight, God. Let her be anointed by the power of God, Lord, to be able to speak with boldness and confidence in your word. God, we give you praise in all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Would you please welcome Sister Melody Beebe. Good evening. James, wrote, James uh, the brother of Jesus, wrote a letter to the early church during a season when the believers were being persecuted for their faith. And in this letter, James did not write about uh, how to fight spiritual warfare. He did not write about how to conquer your enemy or any of the other things that you might think you would write to someone who was going through persecution or was in a battle. But instead, James simply addressed our basic humanities. And it's possible it's possible that the early church was, could be somewhat like us. Uh, we know how to have church, and we know how to do what we do in here. But every once in a while, we need a gentle reminder that what we do in here is empty and worthless unless it impacts how we walk and talk and think, how we respond to everyday life situations in our homes, our families, our workplace, uh, the marketplace, and anywhere else that our daily lives takes us. I have been reading this letter from James uh, for about three weeks now, and I have tried to read it twice a day. There were some days I didn't get to read it twice a day, but I can tell you every single time that I've read this letter, I have been convicted, not condemned, but I have been convicted of one thing or another. But by the end, at the end, I ended up being encouraged. And so tonight, I am going to do what I believe the Lord has put in my heart to do, and I am simply going to read this letter to you. I'm going to read it to you in its entirety the way James wrote it, um, there was, every time I would read it, there are parts of it that I would think, 
that just doesn't apply to our people. It just doesn't apply to this body. And so one day this week, I thought, <laughs> I thought I can, I could just leave those parts out. And immediately, it was like, well, who do I think I am? That I get to choose what to leave in and what to take out of the word. And so I, I decided I would just read the whole thing. Uh, and I'm going to trust that God interprets it to each of us, how, it, how he intends it to be interpreted. So let's see what James says. And at the end of this letter, James directs us to prayer. And every time I've read it, by the time I get to the end, I feel like I need to pray. And so I'm sure that uh, probably you will be too. But I've also been encouraged by the end to know that when I do pray, it's powerful and it can make a difference. So, this letter says, Greetings, dear brothers and sisters. When troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So, let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Believers who are poor have something to boast about, for God has honored them. And those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. They will fade away like a little flower in the field. The hot sun rises and the grass withers. The little flower droops and falls, and its beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all their achievements. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you're being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives 
and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and you don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and you do what it says, and you don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious, but you don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself, and your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? For example, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and others come in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to those in fancy clothes, and you say to the others, well, you can sit back here or sit in the floor. Well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. I'm going to sit down. If I look like I'm mad, I am, but not at you. So, listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? but you dishonor the poor. Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Aren't they the ones who slander Jesus' name, whose noble name you bear? Yes, indeed, it is good when you obey the royal law as found in the scriptures, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you favor some people over others, you're committing a sin and you are guilty of breaking the law. For the person who keeps all of the law except one is as guilty as a person who has broken all of God's laws. For the same God who said you must not commit adultery also said you must not murder. So if you murder someone but you don't commit adultery, you've still broken the law. So whatever you say or whatever you do, remember you will be judged by the law that sets you free. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith 
and don't show it by your actions. Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm and eat well. But you don't give them any food or clothing. What good does that do? And so you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it's dead and useless. Now, some may argue, well, some people have faith and other people have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened just as the scriptures say. Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do and not by faith alone. Rahab, the prostitute, is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth, and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, I'm sorry, in the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. I'm going to start over. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn 
wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire, and the tongue is a flame of fire. It's a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. I'm sorry, but I just refuse to be defeated. So if it takes me all night, I'm going to sit here. And if you all need to get up and leave, that's fine. But I'm going to finish this one way or another. Uh, Terry, could I get a wet cloth, please? Thank you. I'm sorry, but I'm just not going to give in. I gave in the last time. I'm not doing it this time, so uh, we're on this ride together, I guess. All right. I'm going to start over. If we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And the tongue is a flame of fire. It's a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. 
It can set your whole life on fire, for it's set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It's restless and evil, full of deadly poison. And sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been created in his image. So blessing and cursing comes pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. If you're wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with a humility that comes from wisdom. For if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It's also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. What do you think the scriptures mean when they say that the spirit God has placed within us is filled with envy? But he gives us even more grace to stand against such evil desires. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud but favors the humble. So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. Don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. 
If you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. God alone who gave the law is the judge. And he alone has the power to save or to destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? Look here, you who say, today or tomorrow we're going to a certain town and we're going to stay there for a year. We'll do business and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while and then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you're boasting about your own plans, and all such boasting is evil. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Look here, you rich people. Weep and moan, groan with anguish because of all the terrible troubles ahead of you. Your wealth is rotting away, and your fine clothes are moth-eaten rags. Your gold and silver have become worthless. The very wealth you are counting on will eat away your flesh like fire. This treasure you have accumulated will stand as evidence against you on the day of judgment. For listen, hear the cries of the field workers whom you have cheated of their pay. The wages you have held back cry out against you. The cries of those who harvest your fields have reached the ears of the Lord of heaven's armies. You have spent your years on earth in luxury, satisfying your every desire. You fatten yourselves for the day of slaughter. You have condemned and killed innocent people who do not resist you. Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. And you too must be patient. Take courage, for the coming of the Lord is near. Don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. For look, the judge is standing at the door. For examples of patience and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We give great honor to those who endure under suffering. For instance, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. And you can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end. For the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. But most of all, my brothers and sisters, never take an oath by heaven or earth or anything else. Just say a simple yes or no so that you will not sin and be condemned. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. This is my favorite part. Elijah was as human 
as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. And then when he prayed again, the sky sent down and the earth began to yield its crops. And then James adds, let me see if I can do it, which seems to be an afterthought, but I think it's very important. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. Before we go back to the prayer part, I want to say this. There is absolutely no excuse for any of us to walk away from the truth or to walk away from this family and to walk away from the body of Christ, which is the safe place. There's absolutely no excuse. And I implore you, any of you, if you are being tempted, if you are becoming weak under the pressures of this time, If you are struggling, do not believe the lie of the enemy that says everyone else in here has it all together. No one else ever thinks these things. No one else ever struggles with this. No one else, no one else, no one else. Do not believe that lie because the truth is not a one of us, not a single one of us is above falling. Not a single one of us is above being tempted. Temptation comes to all of us in one form or another. And if you are struggling, if you are becoming weak in your faith, and and the enemy is trying to lure you away, find someone who is stronger and more mature than you in the Lord and go to them and confess and tell them what you are struggling with and let them help you make yourself accountable to them because there is no excuse for anyone to have to walk away or get pulled away by the enemy and I don't know why why James stuck that at the very end it seems like something completely out of place really but it's important and it's important for you to know that you don't have to Find someone and help and let them help you before you walk away. So he says, if any of you are suffering hardships, you should pray. If you're happy, sing praises. If you're sick, find the elders of the church and have them anoint you with oil and pray over you. And so what I'm asking for you tonight is I'm asking that if if you're going through hardships or uh, you're sick or any other reason, I'm asking you to find a place to pray. If you are happy and you don't really have anything that you feel like is going on and don't need really to seek the Lord, then I'm asking that you spend this time praising the Lord and worshiping him and sing praises unto him because he is worthy. And so I'm just going to ask you, Danny, if you can play some music. I'm going to ask you all, find a place to pray. And I thank you for bearing with me. 
but I'm telling you, really, I, I gave in the last time, and I went home uh, defeated, and really, I never intended to get back up here again. That's what I told the Lord. I'm pretty sure I told Randy West that too, but um, so I waited until the Lord uh, presented an opportunity, and I, I refuse. I just refuse to walk away defeated. It's not about me. It's not about me. Because this is humiliating to me. But it, it, that, that part diminishes when I know it's an enemy. I don't do this with anything else. I don't about pass out with anything else. And so, but lay that aside and find a place to pray.